Amen. What a blessing it is to worship with the body of Christ. What a blessing it is to be a part of the body of Christ. Please turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5. This morning we'll pick up at verse 11. The author says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The author says about this, we have much to say. He's referring directly to the teaching on Christ's priesthood. Now we're going to return to the topic of Jesus' priesthood later in chapter 7 of Hebrews. But for the rest of this chapter and all of chapter 6, the author changes subjects. We have some pretty heavy direct messages coming today and next week. And in a couple of weeks, we kind of bring them together and, and we, we, we bring it back to the hope. Well, there's hope throughout it, but... Yeah, the next couple of weeks are going to be kind of heavy. The author says that it's because it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain this, in this case, the principle of Christ's priesthood. But it's not because Christ's priesthood is hard to understand. It's hard to explain. And this morning we're going to look at why it's hard. The condition that makes it hard. The clarification of that condition. And finally, the cure, the hope. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. We praise you for this text. We praise you for this truth. We pray, Lord, for your spirit to guide us through the heaviness of this truth this morning. May this truth pierce hearts. May this truth prompt us all to grow in our discernment, to seek you, to mature in our faith, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Verse 11, it, again, speaking of Christ's priesthood, is hard to explain. Why? Since you have become dull of hearing. Since, meaning because. It's hard to explain because you, reader, have become dull of hearing. What does he mean by dull of hearing? The NIV translation says, slow to learn. Have become, or two more words in this verse. Basically, the author is saying, you were learning, but you stopped, you slowed down, you became dull of hearing. Now, the author here is not speaking of an intellectual handicap, a physical inability to learn. Those do exist. That is not what the author is speaking of. God's grace is sufficient for those who struggle with that. 
But that is not what the author is talking about. The teaching is difficult to explain because the people have become too lazy to understand. They are willfully ignorant. They choose not to do the hard work of learning. They don't have the mature ears, minds, or hearts necessary to grow in maturity. Because they do little or nothing to obtain them. Learning is far more than an intellectual exercise to show how much you can mentally retain as far as facts and quotes and comments. Learning is gaining knowledge and effectively applying it. But those who don't truly listen to God's word and applied become dull of hearing. They fail to comprehend. They have the knowledge, but they don't process it. And they backslide. As a result, they backslide in their faith. If we're not maturing, then we're backsliding. There's no holding steady. We're growing or we're dying. We're learning or we're losing. When things get hard, we often blame God for our ignorance. In our humanity, we blame God for our ignorance. Like he's trying to hide truth from us. But scripture teaches us that our Ignorance of God's word is a moral issue. It's a choice. Moral issues are often sinful things that we are choosing to do. But in this case, it's something that we're choosing not to do. When we deliberately ignore God's word, for whatever reason, due to laziness, fear of man, pride, Self-comfort, self-preservation, self-centeredness, self-self-self. We are sinning against God. In the case of the Hebrews, their spiritual immaturity, too, was a choice. They were unable to understand because they stopped doing the hard work of maturing and the author was calling them out on it. Christ's priesthood became difficult to understand because their hearts were indifferent to the truth. And as a result, the author has to pause on explaining Christ's priesthood to chastise his readers and to push them to grow, to dig. In the next two verses, the point is clarified further. Verse 12. For by this time, you ought to be teachers. But you need someone to teach you again. The basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Not only can they not understand spiritual concepts like Christ's priesthood, but they have also forgotten 
the basic principles, the foundation of their faith. Even though the author says they had had plenty of time to become teachers themselves, they actually need teachers to reteach them the basics of the Christian faith. This is not a reference to those who hold a particular teaching position. Instead, the author is addressing their responsibility to disciple other believers. Not all Christians are expected to be formal teachers, preparing sermons or lessons. But all Christians are expected to be teachers in the sense that they should be prepared to train new believers. Every professing Christian should be prepared to disciple someone in the basics of the faith. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you. The church should consist of willing and maturing disciples who are training up newer and less mature disciples. They ought to be teaching others. Instead, they are lacking spiritually. That's who the author is calling out here. And they need others to teach them the basics of the faith again. The word again is critical here. They don't need to be taught for the first time. They have already been taught the basic principles, but they're not behaving like it. This is not a simple case of needing to review. Christians, no matter their maturity in the faith, should always review the basics of the faith. It's been termed this way, that we should preach the gospel to ourselves every day. That's sound. That's powerful. That's something we, no matter our degree of maturity, that's something we should be doing. Whether we've been a Christian for a day or we've been a Christian for decades, there's power in preaching the gospel to ourselves daily. The readers here, however, need more than a refresher, the author says. They need to relearn. They obviously didn't get it the first time. And for that reason... We must be careful, intentional, to internalize the teaching that we receive as Christians and take the basics of the faith to heart so that we are established, so that we have a firm foundation in the faith and able, as a result, to be teachers. Whether to one or to many, we are able to be teachers. Again, this warning is not limited to our intellect. It's not about showing how big our brains are. Unapplied knowledge has no value. If we know it, but we don't live it, it has no value. We are called to do this not only for ourselves, but so that we can teach those who are less spiritually mature. We grow in the faith for our own sake, 
and for the sake of others. This text also teaches another important truth about the Christian life. Verse 13. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. We must grasp basic truths at basic levels before we can move forward. What are these basic principles? The author lays them out at the beginning of chapter 6, and Eric will cover them next week. But to summarize, it's the gospel. We are born sinners in need of a Savior. Christ lived, died, and was resurrected to be that Savior. If we put our faith in his finished work, we will dwell in eternity with God. That's the basics of the Christian faith. It's not about our works. It's not about how good we are. It's about God's finished sacrifice and how perfect he is. Calling these basics the oracles of God communicates that Scripture is God's spoken word, God's inspired word. From Genesis through Revelation, Scripture gives us not only the commands of God, or the promises of God. Not only the accounts of God's faithfulness fulfilled. Or the prophecies of what is to come. It weaves it all together. It gives us everything we need to understand and know who God is. As a result of their, the Hebrews, spiritual lethargy. They remained infants in the faith. Their spiritual digestive systems could only handle spiritual milk, not solid food, because that's all they were feeding their stomachs. That's all they were putting in their spiritual stomachs. In nature, whether human or animal, Babies only subsist on milk for a relatively short time compared to their entire lifespan. That milk is important. It gives them necessary physical nutrients. It builds their strength. It prepares them for solid food, for meat. The spiritual realm is designed to work the same way in God's grace and mercy. Paul uses this metaphor of milk and meat in a similar way in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the verse 3 verses. He says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Just as Paul contrasts the spirit and the flesh, the author of Hebrews addresses those who are skilled and unskilled in the ways of righteousness, what it means to pursue holiness When we look at these scriptures together, 
we learn that spiritual immaturity leads to moral immaturity. Spiritual immaturity leads to wrong choices. To willingly remaining an infant in Christ. To choose to live in ignorance makes one a person of the flesh. An unfit for righteousness. The word of righteousness essentially means the message that leads to salvation. Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 16. For I, Paul, am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. While there is a moral element to this message of righteousness, choices to be made, believers who are childish are unskilled in the gospel because they linger in the milk of the message. The gospel is beautiful and simple. Christ temporarily suffered so that we don't have to eternally suffer. The true milk of the message is crucial, powerful, necessary. But the meat of the message, understanding what our salvation cost Jesus, is hard. 1 Peter chapter 4, starting at verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Understanding Christ's priesthood and the other weighty elements of his sacrifice is the spiritual meat. And we have opportunities to apply it in the sufferings of this life. You heard three examples in our sharing time this morning. You heard two ladies who were rejoicing in their recent results. But as we have, as a congregation have walked with them the last couple of years, we know that there were extreme depths of suffering in their journeys. It's not fair that two women of God had to suffer like they did. It's not fair that their husbands had to see them, their wives struggle and go through the medicines and the procedures that they went through. It's not fair that the daughters of both of those families had to watch their moms suffer like that. But I can testify to walking with them and you can testify to what you've seen in their public testimony. Those women are partaking of the meat of faith. Does it mean they sometimes didn't complain? Does it mean they sometimes didn't wonder, didn't question? No, it doesn't mean that. 
But it means when things got really hard. They turned to the one that they knew would carry them. And praise God, when they met those struggles, they didn't have to turn to what the world was offering as far as sustenance. You see, what the world offers, tries to offer us, is exits, ways to get out of our suffering. People to blame, medicines to try, procedures to try. These things aren't wrong. But if that was the only thing we had to partake of, we would be in great despair. But as Christians, we have the meat of faith. We know that no matter how deep our sufferings are, and these two ladies, these two families' sufferings were deep. The situation Janice spoke of, they're still in the midst of that. There's hope, there's progress. But in all three of these situations, our hope is not in the things of this world. Because as I said, if we trusted in the sustenance that this world provides, it will not sustain us. But when we partake of the meat of faith, the meat of what God provides, you see, the world's sustenance, as I said, it tries to always get us a way out or someone to blame or something to do. But when we trust in God's sustenance, in the meat of our faith, that meat will bring us through the suffering. And as deep and hard and painful as our suffering can be in this life, nothing compares to the suffering that Jesus faced so that we would not have to face eternal suffering. That is the meat to join Christ in his suffering. To understand that no matter what this fallen world throws at us, we have a hope of eternity when we rest in the meat of the richness of the gospel. Christians who try to live on spiritual milk lack the maturity to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Christians are not to be ignorant of the gospel, nor are we to be untaught in the scriptures. We are called to be skilled in the word of righteousness and to walk in the ways that we have been taught. We are called to Seek to understand Scripture and then apply it. Well, if we stopped here in this text, we would be left with little hope. As I said, the author has been pretty direct and heavy and prompting, exhorting, challenging. But we're not just left with milk. Praise God the milk is available. Praise God that Christ lived, died, and was resurrected. Praise God that we have that teaching, we have that hope. But praise him even more that there is meat and that we have the cure to our willful ignorance. Verse 14. But solid food 
is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil, like physical meat. Spiritual meat requires the hard work of chewing and digesting. Discernment is spiritual chewing and digesting. Too many Christians come to church looking to be bottle-fed. Only by diligently studying the Scriptures and by daily applying the truths contained within them, by constant practice, can we rightly train and exercise our spiritual power of discernment. Faith without works is dead. Yes, we are saved. Our salvation is secured by the work of Jesus Christ, but we have a responsibility to work out that faith. We work out that faith by pursuing the meat of the truth of God. The ability to distinguish good from evil, discernment, is critical to our lives. It's not just formed by the gaining of knowledge. Think about it. We make many of our day-to-day decisions based on a collective discernment. Parents, have you ever had your kids ask you, how did you know that? You give them a piece of advice and it pans out that, yeah, mom and dad was right. You know, once you get through those late teenage years where mom and dad don't know anything, and then you get back into where mom and dad are pretty smart again, they say, how did you know that? What is your answer? Experience. You've lived life. You've learned your lessons. You've sought wisdom. You've grown. You've matured. If we had to take every decision back to the basics, we would never get anything done. If we had to take every decision and research it, detail, detail, oh yeah, that's how I do that, we would never get anything done. Carpenters, teachers, truck drivers, doctors, parents, whatever your vocation or your calling, when you first started, you first learned from your mistakes. That's the way I seem to learn a lot of lessons. You took some classes, you read some books, watched some videos, Ask questions. You had to think many decisions through. But as time passed, many things became intuitive. And as you grew in your vocation or your calling, you took on more and more responsibilities, bigger projects, leadership roles, teaching others. If we want to mature as Christians to eat spiritual meat, The author of Hebrews says that we need to work on our discernment. We need to read the Bible, pray, repent of our sin, learn from others. The author, as I said many times, has gotten very direct in this passage. If you are not spiritually growing, if you feel farther away from God when you came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, do not take it lightly. That is a problem. 
Our text this week is speaking to believers. It's speaking to Christians. He's ordering us to grow and mature. Next week, Eric's going to touch on a section of Scripture where it's addressing unbelievers who thought that they were okay. This is not something to take lightly. Don't act like it's going to get better on its own. Spiritual immaturity is a miserable place to live. There are two important perspectives that we can draw from this text. First, it is an individual believer's responsibility to grow in spiritual understanding. We have a responsibility to grow, to seek, to learn, to build our discernment so that the church will be made up of spiritually maturing individuals. Second, it is the church's responsibility to teach the individual believer. Many churches drink nothing but milk. Too many churches drink nothing but milk. Because that is all their pastors are feeding them. Oh, there's a little meat there. But they're heavy on the milk. And again, I'm not being negative on the milk itself. The milk, the gospel is important. But in other cases, the milk is there. As I said, the milk's important. Every church should be serving milk. Every church should have young Christians. And those young Christians need milk to start their journey. But along with that milk, those churches have rich spiritual meat. They are digging. They are seeking to feed their flock. Sadly, too many people come to those churches week after week, year after year, decade after decade, taking their bottle every Sunday and leaving the meat on the table. They complain about the milk. It's the wrong temperature. Or they like a little chocolate or strawberry syrup with it. They compare their church to the one down the road that has all the different flavors of milk, but little to no meat. Healthy Christians serving in healthy churches are essential to spiritual maturity. This process of spiritual maturity is a long and challenging one. It is a lifelong process. But the goal is to move from a diet of milk to a diet of solid food. Maturing Christians are going to occasionally do childish things. I do. But the, as we mature, they're going to do childish things because we're not Jesus. We're not perfect. But as we mature, we will see regular progress. I pray that as you sit in a pew here this morning or you listen online, I pray that you're not someone listening week after week to take your spiritual bottle. We try to be intentional here at Providence. We try to be faithful 
with what we offer. That's why we switched to the answers in Genesis Sunday School curriculum. It's milk and meat. Every week, it's teaching the same topic, the same principle, but at different levels, from preschoolers through adults, encouraging families to work together for parents to take opportunity to disciple their children, for adults to take opportunity to disciple the youth of our church. We're trying to be intentional. It's why we preach with the expository method, verse by verse. It's because of that method that we're in this text this morning, going through the book of Hebrews. It's why there was a women's Bible study here yesterday morning. It's why there's a men's Bible study here next Saturday morning. It's why we encourage you to seek others who are more spiritually mature than you are, to learn from them to build discernment through them. But if you're not doing more than just attending those opportunities, more than just obtaining head knowledge, if you're making excuses for your spiritual childishness, blaming others, having a pity party, if you're not embracing your suffering rather than fighting it, if you're not doing the hard work of chewing on the spiritual meat, you are going to remain a spiritual child. And every trial you face will send you into a tailspin. Our sufferings are immense. But no matter what they are, they pale in comparison to what Christ suffered. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this morning I encourage you to look to Jesus. Don't just come here, take your bottle and go home. Come here, dig into the scriptures. Ask God what he has for you. Take that home, chew on it for the week. Tell others about what you learned. Ask others what they learned. Join a Bible study. If the times aren't right here, find one that they are. If your friends are dragging you down, keeping you in preschool, find more mature spiritual friends. Don't mess around with this. You are leaving yourself in despair. You are selling yourself short of what God has for you. Don't depend on the things of this world to get you out of your suffering. Look to the things of God to bring you through your suffering, closer to him, closer and closer to his righteousness. Empowered to face whatever challenges this fallen world has to throw at you. If you're coming here every week and just taking the milk, and leaving the meat on the table, you are missing out on so much. Don't be that person. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you give us meat. We thank you, Lord, that you empower us and you know that we can handle that meat. We thank you, Lord, that your son faced 
suffering beyond what we can comprehend. Thank you, Lord, that you don't take us out of our suffering, that you take us through our suffering. And in going through our suffering, suffering, we grow closer and closer to you. Father, may we be Christians who are rushing to the buffet of the meat of your truths. God, may we quickly mature from the milk and dig into the meat, Lord. By your spirit and by your grace, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.